embracing the suck each time they step outdoors. Welcome to the Chronicles of the Kamikaze Duck Tribe. If, if I remember correctly, the last time we sat down, we were talking about um, turkey hunting, and that was going into 2020. Obviously, none of us really knew what COVID was going to bring. Right. And we were very hopeful about um, bagging a turkey, and we were very hopeful about a lot of things. And unfortunately, <laughs> COVID <laughs> proved that um, we were wrong. Now, one of the cool things that I did notice out of COVID was that there were more people actually hunting. And we're public hunters, so that's both good and that's also bad because, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere else, so you might as well go to the woods, right? Right. Well, you know, on the bright side, the more people that are out doing this, the the more funds there are available to for the state to lease land. You know, the walking hunting's better. And... Oh, I absolutely agree. But also the uh, errant bullet that you're dodging <laughs> in arrows and the parking spaces can yeah. kind of be a little bit of a challenge as well. <laughs> Depends on what your goal is. You know, if you're looking for that early retirement, it might play right into your hands. My problem is I, I'm worried... I, I am most worried they shoot like I do. And I'm only going to get wounded out of this whole deal. <laughs> or probably like our, 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 our new partner here. <laughs> it might be ethanized. Uh, it sounds like the gauntlet was already thrown down and we're only one minute into this. Holy shit. I thought we were going to talk about COVID and stuff like that before we threw the... Well, you know, I, I thought COVID was deadly, but that, that insult was just right up there. Um, it, it it was, and we'll get to it. I, I I want to let that one marinate for a minute. I want it to hang in the air. Oh, it, it's it's marinating. I, I assure you, it's, it's marinating. well marinated. Let, let's put it like that. So we got the twenty twenty. Got to do quite a bit of hunting. We didn't get much of a chance for recording. Kind of focused on um, getting outdoors as opposed to sitting here in my basement talking about hunting because to me that was a, a lot more important. What's been cool is uh, a lot of firsts happened last year, and we'll save some of those for later in the season. But you've already heard him, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and introduce him. One of the members of the tribe, one of the founding members of the tribe, uh, Ethan, has decided to finally join us. Now, Ethan is uh, Brian's son. You've heard us talk about him. He's the guy that not only has helped me gut deer when. I, I was too sick to do it, and by sick I mean puking on the side <laughs> of the road because of the cream corn that was coming out of every orifice imaginable, <laughs> but has kind of helped teach me in Brian's absence whenever um, he has been unable to be there, kind of the ways, uh, ways of the woods. I guess it's a good way of putting it, and, you know, the ethics and things like that. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome Brother Ethan <laughs> to the show go ahead well thank you sean yeah as you said i'm uh, my name's ethan i'm brian's son and i've been been hunting uh for about as long as i can remember dude this is not a tender profile for fuck's sake oh, i know it's not a tender profile but you know, nobody trying cares to be, try, trying to be uh trying to be as uh as forthcoming as i can be but it is it is a pleasure to be here and i've i have been wanting to be on here for a while just between uh, life and time constraints, I wasn't able to make that happen until here recently. Yeah, and we're we're glad you're here finally. You said we're we're. <laughs> I, I, I did. I, I did. Smile. I know you're happy. I did have a gecko on my shoulder earlier. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. My my daughter actually has a leopard gecko. Not that that really matters, but um, Grandpa finally got introduced to the the little lizard. <laughs> The little lizard. <laughs> We're not. No, please put that back in your pants. Nobody needs to see that. With that being said, I know there's a ton of stories that you guys have that I wasn't necessarily a part of that happened you before be I joined. You weren't part of those stories. Yeah, I, I am thankful. <laughs> there, there, there's been quite a few times where I've. I've heard Brian say that, you know, if they knew how close to death they really were, they probably would have never gone out with me again. No, I, I knew on, on several of those occasions how close we were. But I figured that maybe you could help uh, give a first-hand account and kind of catch people up to um, what it's like hunting with Brian. 
I think one of my earliest memories was going uh, heavily into hunting in Arizona with my dad and my my older sister Sylvia, and I remember she was playing on the these rocks yeah, on a little bit of a slope. It wasn't it wasn't a cliff by any means, but it was a it was a pretty steep descent. And he kept telling her, you know, not to not to play on those rocks and. Well, she didn't listen, and one of those rocks gave way, and she tumbled down into uh, the only thing I can describe as a uh, horseshoe of, of cacti. Now, wait a minute. Now, I need some clarification here. Did you just say that Brian warned someone of impending danger as opposed to pushing them towards impending <laughs> danger? Because that sounds atypical. No, uh, no. He, he warned. He, he most certainly warned. I, I vividly remember that. And she tumbled down, and I remember watching her and the little dust cloud she made as she tumbled down (laughs) into these cactus and just immediately stopped. And I didn't hear her screams at first. I just heard Dad or or Brian here saying, God damn it, I told you not to play on that damn rock. Yeah, of course, he he ran down as fast as he possibly could. He left his, his compound bow sitting there and, you know, little five six-year-old me is sitting there trying to grab his bow and take it down to him and he pulls her out of the cactuses and he he's got all the you know all these little burrs stuck in him and everything she's screaming and hollering and he's getting all these burrs pulled out of her and i i I remember that vividly not as a traumatic experience as (laughs) as much as i do a uh as a funny one because just because See, it wasn't you. Go it, ahead, admit it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me, and that, it made me feel great. And we're going to make sure she hears that, by the way. No, oh, absolutely, you should. And you should also tell her about the bat she found in that cave that got stuck in her hair. Oh, she remembers it, trust me. She still got a little bit of fear of bats after that. Uh, but but don't worry, because I, he he got me a little, little later in life as well. <laughs> I still remember... You know, I was probably eight, maybe nine years old, and we were hunting out in Oxford, Kansas, or uh, Slate Creek, which is one of the uh, one of the public hunting areas here that we have in Kansas. Absolutely phenomenal area, and I object to that. Oh, it fucking <laughs> sucks. No, you you just you just had a bad experience. No, I've no. had several back to back bad experiences. If I remember correctly, that was a place I had the shitty jerky that your dad made, where we got tablespoons that, and teaspoons. That mixed that up. that was not jerky. That was <laughs> whatever the fuck it was. That was salt lick. Okay, okay, spicy salt lick. <laughs> spicy uh, salt lick. Absolutely, I, I, I'm okay with that. That <laughs> so, was the place I got to enter yeah. salt tack. Uh, yeah, uh, salt apparently somebody uh, misread a, a recipe, and we all paid the price for it. We did, we did, and you know what? Ever since that. Um, that outing i have never left without additional water because i only had the one little water bottle at that time dehydration is a real thing yeah i mean for jerky and for humans it absolutely is (laughs) this is the place i learned that trees can poke holes in your waders this is the place i learned that um you should fear mosquitoes large clouds of mosquitoes oh absolutely (laughs) like you can hear them take off oh it's it's a sound that unless you you're there to actually listen and and hear it firsthand um it, it's it's unimaginable there there's a little trick I, I i would tell our listeners if you've never had the opportunity to experience this but typically water reflects light when you look at the surface of water and it doesn't reflect light and it's black it's not due to mud content it's due to all the mosquitoes that are laying <laughs> on top of it that are getting ready to fuck you up. Oh, absolutely. Now, it's it's not bad unless they start lifting you up off the ground. That's when you have to start worrying. I'll be honest. If they could get either you or me off the ground, I would be very fucking worried. Uh, the, the way truthfully. you described the ones at Cheyenne Bottoms, that, that was pretty close. Now, the Slate Creek mosquitoes were... Uh, they were right up there when it when it came to, you know, just just bad. What uh, else but, was bad about your experience at Slate Creek other than mosquitoes? Well, we were we were walking a hedgerow and we were walking out after uh, youth deer season, 
and we really hadn't seen anything. And my dad stops me, puts a hand on my chest, like, son, stop, stop, stop. So I'm expecting to see a deer, because we, we still have shooting light and everything. He's like, look at that crow right up there. It, it's wounded. You know, go, <laughs> go grab it. You can have a pet crow. You know, nine, ten-year-old me. He's like, oh, my goodness, that's that's awesome. I'm going to have going to go have a pet crow so i run up there and it looks like this bird that's just kind of you know flopping around the ground but you didn't know it was a spur no i, I didn't i didn't know you it was didn't a know it was a spur because crows don't have spurs no 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 this this wasn't the turkey story we'll get to that <laughs> i started running up to this uh what i thought was a, a down crow that you know this poor thing just got hurt as it turns out, I got about 10 yards from it and realized, well, that, that crow has a big old white stripe. Well, that's a skunk. Well, that's a pissed off skunk, and it's looking at me. And just like my dad's doing right here, Brian's doing right now, he, that, that chuckle, just imagine that amplified 10 times. He's he's damn near laying on, on the ground laughing because I'm starting to panic. Dad, that's a damn skunk. And I start running away, and this thing starts chasing me. And and did you run towards Brian? Oh, absolutely. And and Brian, what were your thoughts at this point? No, I told him that was a bad idea. You should go the other way. <laughs> absolutely. They won't, you, don't they won't take follow me to, you that way. Yeah, don't take me down with you. It, it sounds like some bad planning because if I had to guess, he was probably riding with you at the it, time. Yeah, and yeah, and then probably in the cab too. So well, in no, retrospect, that, probably not a good idea. That yeah. S10 had a cover on it. I think I probably would have been right in the back. No, because that would have been illegal. <laughs> Not well, then. It was okay then. <laughs> but that'd be child endangerment. We would never, ever, ever suggest that Brian would endanger the life or the mind of a child. Never. This this is why I insist anytime we go out with my son that I'm there with him. <laughs> <laughs> That that really hurts. I, I, I that trust hurts I trust my dad. Don't get me wrong, but I, I need to be there. You don't trust the way he teaches lessons. Maybe no. that's a way of putting it. His his teachings are painful sometimes. <laughs> have but, you ever have you ever chased a skunk since then? No, nor have I grabbed a turkey after getting excited after shooting a turkey during spring turkey season, mm-hmm. and I got really excited about that. And I started running up to it. It's my first turkey. It was a big tom and. And I believe I got, Brian was telling you not to. I got about five feet from it, reaching out to grab it, and I I faintly remember my dad's voice in, in the background going, No, no, don't grab it. God damn it. And it was about that time when I reached out to grab it that, that old Tom put a spur right through my hand. You've had a lot of piercings. <laughs> I've had a lot of piercings. One of them was almost from you. I know that we've talked about. I, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I, I know my kids at least know the story, and they give me a wide berth when we're fishing now. Oh, absolutely! I'm so as it, I would. So <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> works. So, so here's the question: It sounds like your dad both warns you and then pushes you towards danger. So, which do you think happens more often? Oh, uh, I absolutely think it's a a warning in his own special way. You know, if it's something that's going to greatly injure somebody or, you know, potentially be life-threatening, you know, you're not going to let them do it. But if it's a good learning experience, <laughs> then I, I think that the, the lesson needs to be learned in his own special way. That, that definitely sounds like a <laughs> twisted educational process. It really does. And, and I've been involved with it, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here judgmental, but... I can guarantee you if he tells me, hey, go look at blah, blah, blah. Uh-uh. Fuck <laughs> off, you first. And, and mind you, I, I I work in a psych hospital, and I've heard some stories from people. Did you say you work or you are in? I work in one. I'm <laughs> but actually, you're still technically in. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, you haven't been admitted as a patient. But, you know, hearing yet. some of these stories, and just like, <laughs> kid, you don't even know that. That's not bad at all. But let me tell you about the time I went striper fishing with my dad and there was a thunderstorm that came in. You, you don't know what near death is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've been close enough. I know this was about you and your stories with your dad, but that fucking time at Cheney. 
where the the boat was level with the surface of the water. You're strapped across the front trying to give us some kind of trim because the trim motor was broke. The boat is completely filled with water. I am waist deep to the bottom of my rib cage in water. It was fiberglass. It's okay. It's not yeah, I sink. mean, yeah. I think the fact that we were strapped in was what was keeping it floating. Like our bodies buoyancy was keeping that goddamn thing and it's just pouring fucking rain in july and i'm like shouldn't we get closer to shore instead of being close to the lake and what was it brian you said (laughs) no son this is no day to be close to land and and for you guys that have not watched 13th warrior that was a quote out of it and i'm like if that wasn't a fuck you that's a fuck you (laughs) and he's still laughing now the three of us end up with fucking hypothermia in July. I want you to think about that. This oh, is not Alaska. This is not Canada. This is fucking Kansas. July weather, 100 degrees outside, and even driving home with the heater on full fucking blast cannot get warm enough to stop <laughs> shivering. Because we didn't... I mean, who brings extra clothes to go fishing in July? This motherfucker now. I, I think uh, that was a historic day because we we actually hit a record low for that day as well as a um, a record for us you know getting hypothermia in in july and i mean we still caught fish i mean looking but who gives a shit if you're the fish <laughs> <laughs> looking back on it now it's it's a fond memory at least for me <laughs> so i go back to are you a patient or do you work at a psychiatrist hospital? Well, because that was not a fond memory. That was, uh-uh, I'm not doing that again. Oh, I feel a drop of rain. We need to go back. Fuck this well, well, shit. no, I'm, I'm Brian's son. If that answers anything, that should answer everything. And if I remember our bilge pump, was, no, we, we put a new bilge pump in that day. Thank God. Right. Thank God we put a new fucking bilge pump in that day. That was but fucking we, miserable. We put a bigger one in later. Yeah, we absolutely <laughs> did put a bigger well, one. Well, just later. Um, it, it, it's funny you bring up bilge pump because it was actually that that very you know scenario that we ran into in July. Uh, a buddy of mine, Austin, and and I bought a boat, and you know, kind of turned into a duck boat. Getting that already for duck season, we used it one season, worked great. But one of the requirements that I had was it needs to have two bilge pumps in it because I will not do that in, you know, in sub-zero temperatures. Well, the other thing is that boat won't float. No, no, that is an aluminum boat. It will not float, and I'm not going to test that. So it will have two bilge pumps in it, and that sounds like um, we learned a lesson. But I, I think sometimes maybe there's a better way, or at least a less painful way, to learn to learn a lesson. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's definitely less painful ways to learn lessons. Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you for this one because <laughs> um, my my son is, is nearing the age to where he's going to start hunting. And I'm very, very excited for that. But I also don't want him to learn the lessons that I learned in the same way that I learned them. I've got a lot of scars and a lot of uh, traumatic experiences uh, backed up. In, in this mind of mine. Well, I've got a question for you, but I don't want you to answer it. Not yet. What lesson do you want your son to learn that you learned, but not in the same way? And with that, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Hey there, KDT family. I know you hear us talk about the tools that make the outdoors more enjoyable, but we want to take a minute to tell you about the app that makes this podcast happen. Anger.fm. And like any tool we carry into the field, Anchor's reliable, versatile, and best of all, easy to use. If you want to distribute your podcast easily, without the suck, Anchor's got you covered. Want to make some money off your podcast with every download? Anchor has you covered. Want to have all the tools to record and edit your podcast at your fingertips? You guessed it. Anchor has you covered so that the only suck you have to embrace is in the outdoors. So go to anchor.fm and download the free app today and start your podcasting journey. So, Ethan, I think we were talking about the lessons that you hope your son learns, but not in the same way that you learned. Now, one of the things that um, 
I, I think was missing from these stories is maybe the perspective of the adult. Because keep in mind, you know, a lot of times when we're younger or we're the apprentice, we don't really understand what's going on. So the perspective is different. So I wanted to reach over to Brian to let him um, at least defend his side of this because, you know, this has so far been an open and shut case for the prosecution, as it were. But I think the defense needs an opportunity to at least express their point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Hey, uh, I know a lot of you guys are probably married. So uh, at least in my household, that required a, a little creative thinking in order to get to go hunting. And, and uh, when my kids were, were pretty young, I think Ethan was eight or nine, and, and my daughter Sylvia was about 10 when she decided to, to get intimate with the uh, prickly pear cactus. Uh, we lived in Arizona. <laughs> so uh, I used to... Uh, yeah, uh, we were younger than that. Were you? Yeah, I was about I was about six or seven. Yeah, well, probably probably time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> or watching other people <laughs> suffer. Oh, absolutely. But uh, anyway, in order to get to go uh, archery hunting for javelina, I I uh, would frequently uh, get to take the kids with me, which is not ideal for stocking javelina uh, with a bow. For any of you guys that have, <laughs> have, have uh, thought about doing that. <laughs> do not recommend uh, yeah so child friendly yeah we used to uh, uh the way you do that is you would uh, uh get up early in the morning and you hike up to the high ground and then you set up on on the high ground or the plateau in this case and you glass and try to try to uh find the javelina and then once you're able to find them then you would stalk them so uh, we had already went up probably Oh, this this particular trail was was probably three quarters of a mile to a mile long, um, up uh, where there was a natural rock slide coming down off of this plateau. So uh, it was pretty treacherous going. So I would I had uh, at one point in time I had uh, Ethan, my son. I was carrying him, carrying my bow and my pack. And then uh, trying to keep uh, Sylvia in line, but uh, she was doing pretty good. So finally, I took Ethan down because I didn't want to drop him and both of us roll into the cactus because that would be bad if I got in there. <laughs> not Ethan, but you. That this is not helping your case, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I t- I decided to let Sylvia go, uh, and I wanted to keep her behind me. Uh, because, you know, if, if she did lose control, I wanted to be able to, to at least have a chance of getting hold of her, but she wouldn't listen to me and she wouldn't stay on the trail and she kept going off to the side and that's, that's what she did. So, uh, Ethan and I are walking and kind of walking, kind of sliding down this rock slide and I hear this commotion up above me, and I look back just in time to see Sylvia kind of somersaulting down this probably 45-degree slope <laughs> and uh, cartwheeling into uh, probably a patch of prickly pear cactus that was probably 25 to 30 yards in diameter and landed right in the middle of it, <laughs> which <laughs> um, initially I thought was quite funny. Um, just because I told her not to, but, uh, then I realized, <laughs> oh shit, this is probably going to get me in trouble, <laughs> which it did. The wife was less than pleased. Um, and then also, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been around prickly pear cactus, but they have, uh, multiple thorns on them. So the little spines, they have the long, uh, long dagger type spines, but then they also have a whole bunch of little fine hair like uh, spines and once I got into Sylvia I couldn't get she had a sweatshirt on that was just pinned to her body and I had to actually skin her like almost like a deer to get that shirt off of her to get to the cactus uh, the cactus spines so that was pretty bad did she go hunting with you again after this well she she went with me I don't believe she went hunting again after okay. that one, yeah, that was probably Smart girl. probably her final time. 
but uh yeah we got her we got her back um uh that was i'm trying to remember the the area that that was in um it was it was a uh right on the mogion rim that beautiful beautiful area uh other than the cacti and that that does not sound like an experience that I wish to have. I, I think the worst I've had with you involving cactus were what you refer to as shin daggers. I don't know what the actual name of these little bastards are, but oh, that's their name, absolutely. I, I don't it think about what the scientific name is. It's it's what they do to you. They I, I don't think a shins. I don't think a botanist would would know exactly <laughs> what that was, but they're a low lying cactus except for the pointy parts. And they have this notorious, I, I don't know, n- notorious ability of sticking you in the most sensitive spots. Right on the side of the spine. Or the, 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 shin, the shin, sorry. The no, shin. Which yeah. is one they call shin daggers, absolutely. Yeah. This, and that's, that's why I wear those snake boots anymore, mm-hmm. is because I have been stabbed multiple times in the shin from those. And they're not and, very fun. No, and you know immediately what got you. What was it, a snake that bit me? No, oh no. That that was a shin dagger. That was a cactus. Okay, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Something <laughs> bit me. Yeah. Something jumped up and bit me. <laughs> All right, now let, let's talk about this skunk story because Ethan laid it out like you're you're the villain here. So I, I want to hear the other side of this. <laughs> Well, skunks are our friends, you know, and I just I just wanted him to get to introduced to a skunk. Uh, when I was a, a teenage boy, we used to to play a game called uh, skunk soccer or skunk football, and uh, we would drive around at night. Uh, I was a member of the F, FFA Future Farmers of America. I, I, Dad, I want to stop you there, and, and, and listeners, I want you to listen to what this man is saying right now. Because this is this is what I grew up with, so and you thought was normal. It, I thought this was normal until I started Explains getting around lot. other people, and they're like, "Hey, buddy, this is not normal, buddy. This this isn't this isn't normal. Are are you okay?" I go, yeah, I think I'm all right. But okay, anyways, let's let Dad, the story go, go, yeah. go on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we live in a, a rural area. Um, <clears throat> just just south of, of Wichita, and uh, we would uh, drive around while while we were driving. If we happened to see a skunk uh, cross the road and go into a wheat field, you could uh, you could chase him. And uh, as long as as long as the skunk uh, continued to run, it was not a problem. You could uh, uh, kick him right in the tail and launch him like a football, and it was quite fun. However, if the skunk decided that he no longer wanted to play and uh, planted his feet and turned around, uh, there was a high probability that you'd come home smelling pretty skunky. So So I got to ask this question. I mean, there's a lot of questions I should probably ask, but I got to ask this question. You thought this was fun. Why? Well, occasionally the guys you were with would get sprayed. That was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I so you that. you didn't ride together, right? Oh, you did. I mean, and that so you had to suffer too. Uh, okay, I did I'm that lost. to uh, to the my high school buddy uh, Ben. You know, I, I don't know why this guy moved over to Malaysia, um, but but he did. But I introduced him to skunk football. Now, I personally never played it, but I I love the concept of it. So I got him convinced that it was a really good really good game to play. <laughs> Anyways, he lost, and and now he lives in Malaysia. I don't know why he doesn't live here anymore. And how do we define a, a loss? Because I don't know how you define a win. Well, well, I won. I didn't have to drive home. But were you really playing? Well, you well, just said you never played. Well, how can well, you well, win was, if you don't play? What was I playing? Absolutely, I had to convince him that it was a good game. Well, you said you weren't playing though. Yeah. <laughs> Play, not play, it's all the same. It was still a good time. He got a participation award. (laughs) You got a participation trophy. Just like anything these days, I got a participation trophy. Are we struggling over there? A little bit. (laughs) I can understand why. So what other stories do you guys have? Now that we've kind of aired those out and 
you know, we'll let the listeners be the judge of who was in the wrong, Brian, um, for those particular stories. What else do you have, Ethan? I hope you have more. Well, I actually have a a, a really interesting one. This one doesn't involve any uh, unpleasant trees befalling me or any any of my my close kin. We don't give a shit then. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to hear about that. We don't care. <laughs> If you didn't well, that, suffer, that makes then, me feel very unappreciated. I, I guess I'm just, it, it, I'm just if you <laughs> if you didn't suffer, then it doesn't count. <laughs> I think that's been kind of the overarching theme, hasn't well, it? Well, someone else suffered in this, so it, it's still it okay. still kind of okay. relates. Um, my dad and I have been snagging what's called spoonbill, or you know, the actual name is a paddlefish. Um, we call them spoonbill a lot, you know, just like. Uh, most people in the Midwest here. And we were just below the dam in Call Lake, Oklahoma, uh, snagging spoonbill. And it, it was probably when I was about 15, maybe 16 years old. And we were just doing great. I mean, just hitting fish after fish, and we were, we were cutting them loose. What is spoonbill fishing for someone that's never done it? Uh, uh, thank you for that. Um, spoonbill fishing involves a very heavy sinker, you know, usually between two to six ounces and a very large treble hook. And now if you're fishing in Oklahoma waters, um, I don't know what it is for many um, other waters outside of Oklahoma or Kansas, but it needs to be a barbless hook. And these fish work a lot like salmon. You know, they just move up upstream and they have their mouths open, you know, and they're feeding on plankton. So um, you're not actually baiting the hook? No, you're not. Abs- absolutely not. There, There's no baiting involved in this whatsoever. So what are you doing with the hook? So you're casting out as far as you can and you're sweeping it across the water. And you're trying to literally snag this fish. And the reason I say they're like salmon it's not because they're feeding or anything like that. And it's just like salmon fish in Alaska. They're not feeding. You're just trying to get that hook in front of them to where it, it hooks into them. The difference is with snagging, you're trying to hook it in their side and not their mouth. Which is why you want barbless you at want, that point. You want barbless. One, because these fish, I mean, they're very funny looking, but... When when you really look at them, they're they're a beautiful fish, and they're something that has been around for hundreds of thousands of years. No, I, I think they even longer. If oh, I remember correctly, they're, they're a prehistoric fish. It's remained mm-hmm. largely unchanged. But you guys are fishing typically during the spawning period. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And how big are they? Um. Well, they range anywhere from. You know, I've, I've snagged them as low as uh, probably three, maybe four pounds. Nobody up, cares. Up, <laughs> upwards to 100 plus pounds. There we go. Um, and and the, these fish just grow massive. I mean, they're they're noted for their size. And their closest relative, Dad, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, they're a shark. Sturgeon. Um, uh, or a sturgeon. They don't have mm-hmm. any hard bones in their body. Everything's made of cartilage. Correct. Yep. Um, now that I went on this whole uh, this whole journey with you all about uh, <laughs> biology and everything, um, probably my favorite story comes from when we were snagging. Uh, it was probably early April down below Call Lake, Oklahoma. Now, now before Brian goes into this, I, I've joined you guys one time and mm-hmm. one time only. Now, as I remember it, you've got a lot of people that are lined up almost shoulder to shoulder on either side of a body of water, typically by a dam, Mm -hmm. or at least something that's going to stop these fish. And they're stacked up fairly heavily because they're trying to get to spawning grounds or they are spawning. And what you're trying to do is snag one of these guys, which um, uh, obviously can lead to a very exciting especially if it's a 100-pound fish, a very exciting um, fight because they're very strong. Um, but you're only allowed to keep one of them currently in Oklahoma or one um, per day? As of the 2020, 2020 regulation, sorry, uh, it is two per year. 
Now okay. you can you can you can fish as much as you want, but you can but only you keep two a year. Um, and as soon as you keep one fish, um, you're you're done snagging that day. You can't you can't snag again for a 24 hour period. And one of the things that's unique, if you guys ever get the opportunity to look up the picture of a paddlefish, they have a very large appendage on the front of them that looks like a paddle. It's not just a clever no. fucking name. It's a rostrum. Every rostrum is is different. There's been fish that uh, I've, I've seen that have surfaced um, coming into the spawning grounds or as, as we call it breaching and you know you you see a, a certain rostrum that comes up and you talk to your buddies that you're snagging with. It's like, man, I want to catch that one. That was a, that was a big rostrum. That sounds like Maybe. something you'd use on a date. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, babe, you want to see my big rostrum? You know, maybe we're in the wrong business here. Maybe maybe we should be designing something here. Maybe. Um, but anyways, one of the the things that I uh, experienced during one of these fishing trips was. Um, I mean, we were doing really good. We were hitting a lot of fish, and we were pulling a lot in. And I pulled a a ninety five pounder in, and I was just just thrilled about that. I, I I'd never caught a fish that big, and you know, I just was beside myself for it. And I cleaned it, and you know, after I tagged it, of course, and got it pulled up and put in the back. Of, you know, back of my dad's truck, and this guy come over, and he wearing sunglasses, had his hood up, and a ballpark cap, and, no, mind you, it was cloudy and rainy that day. Wait, I've seen this movie. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> so, he's like, man, that's a really good-sized fish. Did you tag it? Where'd you tag it at? And I showed him the tag and everything, and he's like, man, that's, that's a really good fish. Hey, do you and your buddy, you know, want to come over over my truck here? You know, I've, I've got some soda pop in the back of my truck. Now, immediately, an alarm bell started going off. It wasn't was candy. Like, <laughs> it wasn't candy. And it, my, my buddy Ben had caught a probably about a 45, 50-pounder uh, beforehand. He had that thrown in the back. That's what it was. I mean, he's a lot cuter than you are. So maybe they were trying he, he to really use not. you to get to Ben. No, it, this is this is probably hey, buddy, why he moved to Malaysia. Check out my rostrum. <laughs> exactly <laughs> where I was going with that. Hey boys, you want to check out my rostrum? I'm sure you haven't seen one like this before. By the way, have you seen the movie Deliverance? <laughs> Would you like to play a part in the movie? Uh, no, no. Anyway, continue. Anyways. Um, this guy comes up and he's he's talking to me and my buddy Ben and like, hey, do you guys want to, you know, I've got some sodas up here in the truck. You know, I want to talk to you for a minute. Immediately, an alarm bell's going off. It's like, oh my God, this is like deliverance. This guy is going to try to abduct us and do some uh, less than uh, less than good things. And so I, you went anyway. I looked over at my For dad. the record, stop for a second. You went anyway. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Knowing this, you went anyway. I want the record to hold this. Yes, I went there okay. after after I finished this. I looked over <laughs> at my dad, and my dad's motioning like he's trying to be secret, but it's not very secretive. Like he's like doing the whole big head nod over, like yeah, go with that guy. And so we're looking at him like, okay, this this guy's. You know, whatever. We're we're gonna figure it out one way or the other. It's we're, gonna be we're... another skunk story. <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds like you were bait in this story. Is where we were going. <laughs> so we we end up going with the with this guy, and we get in his truck expecting the absolute worst. Like, okay, we're gonna end up on the back of a milk cart. Oh, again. you got in his truck. Oh yeah, we got in his truck. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy fook. Yes, absolutely. We got in, and immediately he reaches for his belt line. It's like, oh, here comes the dick. <laughs> and it's and the, you didn't get out of the truck. 
No, I, I, I was reaching for the no, door handle. I absolutely not. was reaching for the door handle. And he pulls out a badge. It was a federal game warden. Um, he explains who he is, why he's there, and he was there for um, caviar. Um, is that he, what you guys call it these days? Absolutely. <laughs> that, that At least that's what my therapist says it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, he was there. Um, there was a group of guys that were snagging out of a boat, um, and they were catching these spoonbill or paddlefish. And one thing that these paddlefish produce that is very sought after is caviar. Um, they're not quite. It's their eggs. It's their eggs. It's not quite to the. Um, it's not true caviar. It's not like sturgeon caviar, but it's no, a, a it, it, close it's enough true. knockoff that it, they can sell it's it. It's close enough. Now, sturgeon caviar as opposed to paddlefish is different, but it's still a multi-million dollar business for paddlefish caviar. Well, there's these guys from the Ukraine that when I was cleaning my spoonbill, they, they came up and asked me, hey... You know, we'll clean your spoonbill. We just want to clean, you know, we just want to claim her eggs. You know, and, you know, knowing Oklahoma law and really laws uh, throughout all the states that we, we've hunted and fished in, um, you you definitely want to read those laws before you go and fish for those. Um, <laughs> this is one of the reasons why um, when my dad and I started fishing Oklahoma, we we. St- we started looking at all the laws very, very heavily. Okay, so can they take it or can they not? They cannot. Okay, unless, and you did not let them? No, we did not. Um, but you did get in a truck with someone you did not know who wanted your caviar. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Okay. Um, <laughs> but with, sure. uh, <laughs> with um, fishing game uh like this with with the spoonbill they're federally regulated fish and it is imperative that you read those read those laws thoroughly and understand what you're getting into or what you're doing so you don't make a mistake i want to take a quick side here so they are federally regulated so they are they treated like migratory birds then um I, i don't know that they would be they're 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 kind of a uh, they're this protected. Gotcha. Federally, yeah. though. Yes. Yes. So it's not just the state of Oklahoma that's going to fuck you. It's going to be. Well, with with these guys, they were uh, with what we were doing. It was only for it would only be in Oklahoma, but these these guys were going to multiple states. Ooh, and nice. they are running yeah. uh, four states: uh, Kansas, right. Missouri, Oklahoma. Yeah. So the Texas. that the the federal warden was following these guys mm. to try to get them, and and at that point in time, it was okay to you could give somebody the eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point in time, you could also transport the fish across state lines. Now you cannot. You cannot. Uh, you must uh, remove all the entrails uh, from a a paddlefish before you transport it so how far do you have to break it down before you transport it do you have to get to fillets or just entrails just entrails gotcha. you can't it's illegal to transport eggs you can have a certain amount um and you know i don't remember what that is because it's i haven't <laughs> i'm not a connoisseur of fine fish eggs so what are they i think i remember you telling me um and not to detract from your story ethan um don't they offer like a cleaning service now the state does when you capture or when you harvest one of these guys? Correct. Yes, yeah, so they have some research centers that will will process your fish for you free of charge, package it, fillet it and everything uh, in return for the, the eggs and uh, just biometrics on the fish. All right, so going back to your story, that sounds like a really shitty James Bond. We'll call it a Jim Beam movie. It, it really was a Jim Beam movie. So this guy tells us, like, hey, listen, I've been following these guys for, like, four states. This is this is what they're doing. I need your help. 
So talking to a couple of teenage boys is like, oh my god, this is <laughs> like you said, like James Bond, like this is going no to be- Jim Beam movie, not James Bond. Okay, well, it's Jim Beam. We thought it was James Bond at the time, <laughs> and Christ. we were <laughs> we were so excited about this. So he gives he gives my buddy Ben the digital camera because apparently I'm more photogenic. And <laughs> oh god no. We go into these guys camp and Ben's taking pictures of them and they're posing with their coolers open full of eggs like big smiles and everything and I'm he got my arm around some of their shoulders big thumbs up. It's yeah. just like you guys realize we we're working with the game warden now. <laughs> Well, what and those guys really pissed me off because what they would do would be it after it got dark, they would take their boat upstream where everybody's snagging, and they would snag a fish. Uh, and if it was a female fish, because because the females are much larger, you can tell if you have a female, uh, and they're full of eggs at that point in time. Uh, they would just gut the fish, take the eggs, and then dump the fish back in the river, not even take the meat. So all they were doing was killing the fish just for the eggs. And doing, you know, I don't know how many they would get. We watched them probably catch, you know, eight or ten, you know, that one night. Uh, So I don't know how many they've caught altogether doing that. And if you had um, Department of fish and whatever it is the the federal i can't remember what it's the 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 federal game wardens mm-hmm. uh, across four states you got to wonder how many of these fish they just wasted oh, basically yeah. yeah definitely things you know they're they're people like us that actually eat spoonbill that would have loved to have had the meat and you know there's a lot of other people that would have loved that opportunity that these guys just wasted yeah well just the opportunity to catch one is is fabulous um i had a a gentleman that that kind of introduced me to snag and spoonbill when i was 14 and we would go to miami oklahoma Uh, miami miami Miami. depends on where you're from miami (laughs) i moved up here from oklahoma it's It's miami Miami. it's not fucking florida (laughs) anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh, that's a nice, uh, good place to snag them, but but the the spillway below Kaw is much better. So if you guys want to go snagging, I'd go to Miami and stay away from Kaw. Cause, you know, go, that, go to Grove, Oklahoma. Go to Grand Lake. <laughs> that, that's where they've caught the, the past few state records. Just, just go there. Yeah. Well, the one time I went with you guys, if I remember correctly, we drove and I don't know, what is it, an hour and a half? Right. About an hour and 45. Hour and 45 to get down there, get unloaded, two hours. And we, because we have such exceptional fucking good luck, happen to come down there on a day where they're having a fucking spoonbill tournament. So there was nowhere to go stand. You had people lined up shoulder to shoulder. Oh, you're missing the best part. There was also an excess of rainwater up north. So the water was exceptionally high up. High up. And if I remember correctly, it was exceptionally cold that day, as it always fucking is. It's either really hot or really cold. I, I, I don't know what the hell is going on. Like with our last few camping trips, this last one we just did, and we'll talk more about these um, on later episodes, they've always been during record high, hot temperatures. And when we set these these camping trips up, they're not like that. So I don't know if we've pissed somebody off or something off, but yeah, loud and clear, we get the fuck you. We, you know, we, we've heard it. We understand. But I'm out there with you guys, and after two or three hours of just tossing that shit out, yeah, no fun. I didn't enjoy it. If you're not catching yeah. them, it, it's, it's pretty rough. Yeah, it is when, very rough. When you're not catching them, I, I know, you know, four ounces doesn't sound like very much, but when you're casting all out constantly and you're you're yanking it back and you know doing that over the course of 
you know, four or five hours. You're, you're and these are not small that. poles. This is no. not just four ounces of weight you're accelerating. You've got no, this the, enormous surf rod. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're trying to cross a large body of water to get this hook, large hook, in the water to reel it back. Your your attempt is to get over 100 yards every time. Yeah, yeah fuck all that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there's been times I've gone out to where you're you're sweating your balls off, and you, and you're not hitting a single thing. Maybe a gar or a carp every now and then, but at the same token, I've gone out and I've been breaking line or you know ice off my line, my eyelets, and everything. You know because it's so cold, but it's I'm hitting fish every single cast, and it's just a matter of reading your water temperature and and reading your fishing reports from not only the area you're going to be fishing in but the areas you know down river from it so that you understand how the fish are moving or when they're going to be there it's it's all a guessing game there's a little bit of playing into it but for the for the most part it's just like anything hunting or fishing wise uh, you have to match what your your core is doing and a lot of times, at least in my opinion, it's just about getting outside. I mean, we all want to be successful. Don't get me wrong. We all want the pretty blue-eyed federal agent to invite us into their car <laughs> to uh, yeah, check he, our caviar. He, he, as had, it he had green eyes. So you do remember. <laughs> oh, I remember vividly. I bet you do. <laughs> but, I mean, literally, the objective is to get outside, to enjoy the outdoors, to take a break from that. A hectic lifestyle that we all lead and success is not always measured in what you bring home in the game bag or in the sled or in the cooler a lot of times success is measured in the memories that you have just Absolutely. like the ones that that you guys have now well with these fine stories i think we may keep ethan around for a little while longer because god knows what else he could probably <laughs> tell us so with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. We thank you guys so much for spending some time with us. I know it's been a little while since we've had a chance to record, but um, we're definitely going to endeavor to rectify that situation, especially Mr. Ethan here with his I'm pretty sorry, green eyes. Situation? I said rectify. Uh, oh, situation. Rectify situation, but you said situation. I said situation. Whatever you got do, on your mind. Do we, I, need, do we need to talk a little bit after this? No, we don't. <laughs> we could call your federal agent friend if you would like. And with that, thank you guys, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Thanks, thank guys. you. Good luck out there, guys.